When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 470 of the Talking for Hours podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 17th, 2023, and the Padres have done something that they haven't been able to do all season long, and they won four games in a row. Four games in a row. I mean, going into this season, right, we thought that the Padres were going to have a ton of four-game winning streaks, but that just was not the case. And their first four-game winning streak comes in September when the season's already over. And they're facing the Oakland A's. And going into the year, if you would have told me, yeah, Padres, they're going to sweep the Oakland A's in September. I would have said, yeah, of course. Like, there's nothing, you know, weird about that. Like, Padres, great team, going to go to the postseason, going to sweep the A's. But it's obviously in a much different situation. Um, and so some Padres fans like, yeah, you're happy uh, after this weekend just based on the results. Right. But when you look at the results for this entire season, you're obviously not happy because, you know, even with this sweep that the Padres had today, they're still 72 and 78. They're still six games under 500, fourth, fourth place in the National League West, um, not in a postseason spot. And I know like the A's, right, 46 and 103. They're obviously in a worse position, but at the end of the day, we're both in the same spot. We're both not going to be a postseason team, and that's what matters the most, obviously. Right? Both of us had different expectations. A's, we knew they were going to suck. Padres, we thought World Series contender, but we're both going to be sitting on the couch come October 2nd when the season's over. So, uh, I mean, there were good moments in this weekend, for sure. Juan Soto... I mean, just going off today with a granny and then a two-homer day. Obviously, the granny came after he hit his first home run. Uh, Jose Azokar hitting his first home run in his big league career. There were some good pitching performances. Some of the younger players have had some good moments. Uh, but that's not going to take away, obviously, from the fact that you know we're not going to see October baseball. All right. Before I get into the games in this series, um, there's also stuff to talk about more on Manny Machado, so I'll get to that. But before I get to that, uh, just a reminder, on SeatGeek, you can use code TALKINGFRIARS, $20 off your order there. And then BreakingTea.com and FOCO. Breaking Tea has some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, San Diego Wave. Um, so you can click the link in the description for that. And then FOCO, some great bobbleheads and collectibles there as well. Let's see what some people in the chat think here before I go into these games here. Austin, it's ironic how this works. Only like 150 games in. Chris says, 
Austin, this is the type of stuff that pisses me off. Doing nothing for five months and then take your ass seriously when there's a hit article written. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating for sure. Yeah, the Padres' first four-game winning streak, the entire season comes in mid-September. Like, come on. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, Padres, they win 8-3 in game one of this series. Tatis had his 25th home run of the year. Azokar with his first home run in the big leagues. Some were surprised by that, but I wasn't surprised. Maybe some were thinking that he hit like a spring training home run and they remembered that. But, I mean, he doesn't get, at least before he's been playing a little bit more often, he hasn't gotten a ton of playing opportunities. Usually it's like, you know, to spell Trent in center, uh, defensive replacement. And even when he does get opportunities, he's not a power hitter. But he smashed that ball on Friday night. Like, that was a cool moment um, in what has been, obviously, a frustrating season for the Padres. And uh, Azokar, I believe he got the ball back. Um, so, and Profar was kind of joking with Azokar going into that. Like, you might as well just retire if you can't hit a home run here in Oakland. Uh, I don't know if Profar was referring to, like, just how bad Oakland is. Uh, but obviously, Azokar able to get that moment. So, good. Uh, it's a good moment, a cool moment there. Um, and then Seth Lugo, it's interesting. Last couple outings, he has struggled. He goes six innings, three earned runs, five hits, one walk, seven punch outs, gave up two home runs, nine runs allowed in his last two starts. But I'm not, like, worried about, about Seth. I mean, he's been pitching pretty well. If you look at this entire season, I wasn't expecting him going into this year. I was not expecting him to continue to be in the rotation on September 17th here, or September 15th, which is the, the date of that last outing. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting him to be in the rotation because the Padres said, hey, we're going to give you a shot. That's why he signed with the Padres, partly, and because the Padres were thought to be a contender going into the season. And I thought, like, maybe two months in, maybe all-star break, it just was going to be clear, like, Seth Lugo's best role is to be in the bullpen. Like, we know that he's effective there. Maybe the Padres can get a starter back. We'll see what happens. Because remember, Musgrove, he didn't start the season healthy, you know, pitching. So Lugo took, I think, one of those spots. So what was going to happen when Musgrove came back? Like, there was just question marks. I think Nick Martinez got some starts earlier in the year. Uh, but credit to Lugo. I know he went on the IL a little bit, so that kind of saved him some innings a little bit. But he's been pretty consistent all season long. I mean, there's been obviously some clunkers. I mean, the Dodger outing sucked. Gave up a granny to, to Mookie. Um, these last couple outings haven't been great, you know, results-wise. But you just go look at his game logs this season, and it's been a lot of six innings. A lot of set. There's been some seven-inning outings, five and a third, but a lot of six-innings out. Six-inning outings. If you go look at. Uh, his game logs. And I'm going to take that. Like, I'd be more than willing to have Seth Lugo return to this Padres team next season. I just don't know if he's going to come back on the $7.5 million player option that he has. I don't think that he will. So the Padres, they're probably going to have to give him a multi-year deal in free agency. Um, what would be fair for Seth Lugo? Would it be like, Three years, $30 million, 10 mil a year. Would he want more than that? I mean, Shamanaya, think about Shamanaya. 
would you rather have Seth Lugo or would you rather have Sean Manaya? I mean, Sean Manaya, he got like $12 million, I think, per year from the Giants. Or maybe it was a one-year deal from the Giants. But he got, I think, more than he probably deserved. But just starting pitching, it, the, the market continues to get better for those guys. So I'm going to be curious to see what Seth does get from either the Padres or from another team. Um, but yeah, Padres, they win Friday night. And then Saturday night, they... Saturday Saturday day, I should say. Uh, they went five to two. Matt Waldron thought he had a pretty good outing. Sure, gave up a, a good amount of hits, but works into the sixth inning. Two earned runs, one walk, five punch outs. I'd like him. They were talking with Matt on the broadcast earlier today about using the the uh, the knuckleball more, and I I would subscribe to that. Like I, I think that Matt, I want to see the knuckleball more because. Those that pitch for Matt, it, it seems like it's having success now. Padres catchers, you know, Campy, he's had some rough outings with Matt Waldron pitching. But if they get more used to Matt Waldron there, I would have Matt just keep using that knuckleball. If it's working, keep using it. And sometimes he's going to give up home runs on that pitch or another pitch because it's not located as well as it should be. But again, if, if it's working. I would just keep using it. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, Matt Walton's going to be a rotation guy for the Padres next year. But I think it's nice to have that type of guy in the organization, someone that's going to be a different pitcher than the normal right-handed starter that's throwing 95 uh, as a fastball, or he has just the typical breaking ball. Uh, Matt Walton, obviously, it's different. There's not very many knuckleballers left in baseball. So just for that, he might not be the best pitcher, but the fact that he has that, I think that's something nice for the Padres organization to have. Uh, the bullpen yesterday, no runs from Barlow, Suarez, Hader. Barlow struggled a little bit there, but Robert Suarez came in, was able to get out of that jam there uh, in the seventh inning. I think it was first and third. It was good to see Josh Hader pitch. Um, guy pitches like once a week, so... This is going to be one of the last outings probably of the season for Josh Hader. How many more times do we think Josh Hader is going to pitch this season? We got two weeks left, I think. What, four times? Maybe? Two or three? I mean, it, it would be great to be in his position, right? You get paid millions of dollars just to sit there in the bullpen and not be used very much. That's why. That's part of the reason why I wanted this Padres team to, to trade Josh Hader, trade Blake Snell, uh, before the trade deadline, because I just didn't see this Padres team going anywhere. And I don't want to say that I was right, because I obviously wanted this Padres team to go be a postseason team. But it was just pretty clear to me, even at that time, even after the Padres swept the Texas Rangers, that it was just not going to happen this year. And instead, the Padres decide to add some guys. G-Man Choi, does he have a hit yet with the Padres? I don't think he has a hit yet. Um, he, he might have one now. But he just came off the IL. That obviously didn't work. Rich Hill, the guy's like 43, so that's not working. It hasn't worked. He's had like one good outing. Uh, Garrett Cooper, sure, he's been good. Scott Barlow, for the most part, been good, but it's obviously hasn't been not. It hasn't been that impactful because look at where the Padres are, you know. Um, so they did that and decided to waste Blake Snell, which they could have got some back for Snell. They could have got something back for Josh Hader. And maybe AJ was like, well, I didn't like the return that 
other teams were offering for Snell or for Hader. But for me, it's like, I don't think it's really about the return. Sure, you want to try to maximize the return, you know, try to get it, get leverage so other teams will give you more. But when those guys are going to be leaving your team at the end of the season and this season's not working out, it's not a, it shouldn't be about maximizing the return. Juan Soto, let's say trade discussions happen in the offseason about Juan Soto, right? Okay, you could say it's about maximizing the return because it's Juan Soto. You still have him for a year where you're trying to contend. But like here, this, they're not coming back. I don't think Blake Snow's coming back. They're going to be lowering the payroll. They're not going to pay Josh Hader $100 million to be a reliever and not pitch consistently. At least I hope that they don't do that. Um, when he's been on the mound, he's been good for the most part, but I don't want to be paying $100 million to a reliever. Um, I, I'm just not going to do that. And with Blake, yeah, he's had a really good season, but is he going to do that every year? Because he's not, right? Like, you're going to be overpaying for a guy that just had his peak season. The Padres have done that enough. So getting back to the Snell hater thing, like I would have just got something back. You're telling me that another team wouldn't give you a top 10 prospect for hater or Snell? Maybe not hater, okay, but for Snell, they wouldn't give you a top 10 prospect for the guy that's going to go win the National League Cy Young Award? It's just little things like that in this organization that A.J. Preller has set back this organization and I think hurt this team's chances of winning in 2024 and beyond because who knows what they could have gotten back for those guys. And they decided not to do that. Uh, but yeah, the bullpen going back to Saturday, pretty good. 5-2 Padres win that one. Um, and then today, obviously, 10-1 win. Juan Soto, what a day he had, huh? Two home runs, a grand slam. Both of those, right when he hit them, you knew that those balls were gone. Um, first grand slam in Juan Soto's career. I probably, like a lot of people, were surprised when I heard that because it's Juan Soto. You're like, the Nationals teams that he played on, he never had a bases-loaded situation where he hit a, hit a homer. I know he's not this home run hitter. He's not going to hit 50 home runs a year because, yeah, he's going to get you some. He's going to lean into some. Some balls right down the middle he's going to crush. But when he's on, like when he is going right, he's more of a line drive hitter. Sprays the ball all fields, right? Can go, not afraid to go oppo. Oppo in the gap. So I'm not super surprised. Like he hasn't had a ton of um, chances, I guess, to have that grand slam. But you think it's Juan Soto. It's like, yeah, he's, of course he has a grand slam in his career so far, but I guess not. Um, and the Padres win this one 10 1. Matthew Batten, as I said in my post game reaction, I'm enjoying watching some of these younger guys considering the circumstances. Obviously, we all want this Padres team to be fighting for the National League West right now with the Dodgers. By the way, the Dodgers just clinched the National League West last night, I think. Um, and they were obviously celebrating with champagne in the clubhouse and all that. Um, and Padres, we wanted them to be in that position, right? To be doing that, but that's not going to happen. Uh, but considering where they're at, I, I'm liking watching Matthew Batten and Eggie Rosario uh, Eggie Rosario laying out today. Great play from him. Matthew Batten. I mean, I think he's now spring training, obviously. Like, we're, we might forget about what he did here at the end of this season. But as of now, 
He's putting together some good at-bats. He's playing pretty well, I think, in the field. And he could be fighting for one of those final uh, bench spots in spring training next year, I think. I think that's what he's playing for right now. Um, because the Padres, they're going to be trying to lower payroll. So I don't think that they're going to want to bring in a guy and pay him five, six million dollars a year to have him just go sit on the bench, right? So just having Matthew Batten, a guy that can play multiple infield positions, um, a guy that can come in defensively or be a pinch runner, whatever. Uh, I think that's a good guy to have on the bench. And it's obviously cheap because he would be playing on what a rookie contract, 700,000 or whatever it is. Um, so there's that Jose Azokar doing the little things, the bunt that he had before Batten drove in a couple runs. Luis Camposano obviously getting more comfortable at the big league level. So there's there's obviously some encouraging things here from some of the younger guys or at least some of the guys that have not as much big league experience, not the the household names on this Padres team. Um, but I know a lot of Padres fans aren't going to care about that. Like, who cares about Edgar Rosario? Who cares about Matthew Batten? Because a lot of Padres fans care about the big picture stuff. Um, and they wanted a postseason spot, and there's no postseason spot. The season's over, so they just don't care about any positive thing that's that happens because, well, this this season as a whole isn't positive. It was it was win or bust, and it's not win. So this season is a bust for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bowmel's return to Oakland sweep his former team. I think he's going to be happy about that. You know, finally they win four games in a row. And it was good to see Bowmel get the the reception that he got. I'm not saying like it was fifty thousand people selling out to go applaud Bob Melvin for coming back to to Oakland for the first time with the Padres, but it seemed like on the field. I think Ricky Henderson was down there, and Dennis Eckersley, um, some of the local media in the Bay Area were talking with him, and he had a smile on his face. So that that had to be one of the highlights of this season for Bowmel because this season obviously hasn't been great and he's had to deal with a lot and that includes talking to the media after every game and they ask him these same questions about why can't they win four games in a row why can't they do this with runners in scoring position why can't they get it on a run here what's wrong blah 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 and Bomo has to keep talking every day the players don't have to talk every day they can you know obviously Manny this year he's been someone that has been like to Kevin AC, I don't have time. You know, like they, they don't talk to the media every day, but Bob Melvin has to talk to the media every day. And most of the week, he's talking to the media twice a day, before the game and then after the game. So that's to get pretty tiring for Bob. Um, and so him being able to see some old faces in Oakland, he was there for a decade managing that team. So that had to be pretty cool for him. Um, you know, sweeping the A's. I think some fans are going to be happy about it, as I said earlier, but some fans aren't going to care because the season's over. All right, I'm going to get to the Manny Machado stuff here after this break. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so the latest on Manny Machado, we already know that the article came out from Kevin Acey about the Padres and the culture problems, the clubhouse chemistry, and Manny Machado being probably at the forefront of that, like he was like the main subject of that. 
I don't believe that it was a hit piece. Um, I wrote something for Gaslamp Ball earlier this morning, kind of defending the piece. Like I thought it was pretty straightforward. Um, I thought it was pretty fair. Um, I think Kevin, if he wanted it to be like slamming Manny Machado, it could have been way worse. I'll put it at that, uh, at criticizing Manny. He made sure to say things like, this isn't just a Manny thing. There's been other people in the clubhouse that haven't followed on, followed through on things after talking to the team in player-only meetings and all that. Obviously, Manny's not the only one that has underperformed this season. There's been a lot of guys that have underperformed this season, but Manny obviously got a lot of the attention because he's the only one that was like actually quoted in the article. He was the main subject. If you have to point to one player, he was the main subject of it. And I mean, he's the captain, right? The leader, the at least the perceived leader of this team. And there's something else that came out from Kevin over the weekend, and it was that Manny Machado, it is likely that he has surgery in the offseason. Uh, this was on Saturday. Manny did not play for the third time in six, in six games. Um, continues to try to, like, get through this season because he's dealing with the tennis elbow. And I've already made my opinion known on this. I think it's best for Manny just to be shut down, or not him to be shut down, but Manny to shut himself down. Because again, I think it's important to note, this is not a Padres thing. This is a Manny Machado thing. Like Manny's going to decide if he's going to shut down or not. He has a lot of power in this organization. And Bob, I mean, he's a player manager. He listens to his superstar players. Juan Soto. I think Bob wants to rest Juan Soto, but Juan wants to play every day for 162 games. He wants to get to that number this season. He's made that known, and he's already this far in, so Bob is like, yeah, we'll probably DH him some days, but he's probably going to play every day. Bob is going to listen to his superstar players. Um, that's just how it has been. Um, and so Manny, he's going to keep playing through this, at least in – Maybe he's just playing this out until they're mathematically eliminated, so he can't sit, so people can't say you quit even though you were mathematically still in it. Um, maybe that's what he's doing, but it feels like he'll take the off days, he'll take a couple days off, a few days off a week, and he just wants to say, "No, I played through the rest of the year with this elbow injury, um, and I guess it can't get worse." this tennis elbow for him continuing to play, but I just fear that something else could get hurt with him continuing to play. The season's over, him continuing to play. I don't think there's any positive to him continuing to play. Like, I would rather him just go get the surgery because Kevin says here, surgery is considered likely following the season. And it's like a three to four month time uh, frame to recover from that. So he, sh he would be available to be like full go for spring training uh if everything goes well the, the three to four month timeline here the recovery before a return to play so maybe that's why he's waiting for the off season like i know i have the time it's not like i have to get it now to be ready for spring training i can get it in the off season but again i just go back to the risk of him continuing to play and him maybe hurting something else should he get the surgery i'm not going to sit here and act like i'm a doctor so i don't know if it's worth it to get the surgery, can it hurt? I don't know if it can hurt him. Maybe it can hurt him because, like Tatis this year, he's kind of weaker uh, because he's playing every day and he just had the surgeries before the season, so there's probably an effect of that. 
maybe that's how it hurts him. But I feel like in the long run, it wouldn't hurt him to get the surgery. I know it's different parts of the body, but I can point to like Cody Bellinger. He gets, I think it was a shoulder surgery. And yeah, wasn't that great with the Dodgers. I think the first year, first couple years after the surgery. But look what he's doing, doing with the Cubs now. And Scott Boris, I know, take it with a grain of salt here because Boris is Bellinger's agent, but he's saying, like, he's just healthy now. This is Bellinger. He's just, you guys just didn't see a healthy Cody Bellinger. So maybe Manny gets back to that. Maybe it takes him next year to not be back to, like, full MVP caliber Manny Machado if he gets the surgery, and maybe he doesn't want that. Or maybe he just doesn't want to have surgery because surgery sucks. Um, and I understand that viewpoint, but if you're going to get the surgery, I'd rather him just go get it now. So he has more time to be at full go going into spring training. Like I'd rather have that. And he's not risking himself hurting something else in his body in meaningless September games. It was like Joe Musgrove getting shut down. You Darvish getting shut down. I think it's the right decision because again, the only thing that can happen is something negative because these games just don't matter to those veteran players who are under contract for the Padres long-term. It's not like they're a free agent at the end of the year where the Padres can be like, we'll let you go anyway, who cares? No, like they need to take care of these guys. These players need to realize it's not about what happens at the end of this season now. It's about what happens going into next season, what happens next season. And for Manny, as I've said previously, for Manny, for Musgrove, for Darvish, for those guys to be productive next season and really help this club make it back to the postseason they have to be on the field next season so that's where my mind is on this manny again it's considered likely according to kevin ac that there will be a surgery for manny machado after the season three to four month recovery timeline at least that's what the recovery timeline was listed here in this article uh, there's multiple surgery options the most invasive of which would likely involve three to four months before that return, uh, Dr. Eric Bowman, an orthopedic surgeon, head team physician for the Nashville Sounds and Vanderbilt University. This is not someone that has operated or looked at Manny Machado. It's just someone that knows about these surgeries. Um, so we'll see what happens, but that's the timeline that we're probably looking at if Manny decides to have that surgery, which, I mean, he probably should have it, but... Maybe he feels like he can just rehab from it and he doesn't think that it's a big deal. But like Tatis, and I, again, it's a different part of the body, but Tatis, he didn't want to do the surgery. He rehabbed with the shoulder subluxations and all that. He ended up getting the surgeries. And I think the Padres are in a better spot for that moving forward going into next season. Hopefully next season can be like a, a Ronald Acuna Jr. bounce back season because this year, yeah, he's... He's not really himself this season. Like there were good moments from Tatis, but you look at the numbers and they're all down. Hopefully that's not the case next year as well. Um, and like Bellinger bounces back if Manny does get that surgery. Um, and Tatis, hopefully he bounces back next year as well. All right. I want to see if there's any other thing that I wanted to get to here about what happened in this series. I'm going to get to the chat. Don't worry if you want to. Make sure I get to your comment or your question. You can use that Super Chat button. It supports the channel as well. So I appreciate anyone that does that. I also see in the, um, the StreamYard room here, Delaney is in here. I'm going to get to her in a second. If you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. 
if you have any thoughts on Manny, on the Padres, uh, their series against the A's, the future, big picture questions, you can join the show. Or you can put your comment, your question there in the chat. All right, I see Delaney is here. Delaney, can you hear me? Well, wrong one here. Hold on one second, one second. Sorry. There we go. Oh, there we go. Hello, how's it going? Good. What'd you think you? of? Good. What'd you think of uh, Juan first Grand Slam? Did you know that that Juan no, never had a Grand Slam? I didn't know he didn't have one. Yeah. Um, were you expecting the Padres to finally win four games in a row? Yeah, I mean, it was series? finally, but it's a tough one for them, but they did it, so. Yeah. What did you think of uh, that Manny article that was written on Friday, I think? Yeah, that was crazy. Yes. He isn't really acting as a captain this year. No, no. I think that, as I've said previously, I think Manny, he is a good leader on the field in terms of him playing every day, setting a good example mm -hmm. of like what you should be doing, how you should conduct yourself as a major league baseball player. Like the fans come to see you. It doesn't matter if you're hurting, you got to go out there and play, but I don't think he's the best. Obviously after this article came out, it doesn't seem like he's the best like locker room leader. And I think that's okay. I think that he needs to improve in certain situations mm -hmm. uh, or in certain things, but I think it's okay for him not to be the best, locker room guy that just think he needs to set a better example i think there's guys there's like joe musgrove i think he's a better guy like quotes wise to the media and um, just with his words and he leads by example for the pitching staff as well i think you could say the same thing about like xander bogarts or uh jake cronenworth in terms yeah. of like words and manny's probably not the best at that and probably needs to improve at that but i think more importantly if he's not going to be the best at you know, talking to the media and all that, I think he needs to just improve at doing the little things, you know, setting a better example with the little things. And if he's going to have all of those players only meetings, like that was reported in the, uh, the article, yeah. then he needs to follow through on those things. And it, it's not just a Manny thing. Again, I want to reiterate that to those listening and watching. It's not, it, it was made pretty clear. I think in the article, it's yeah. not just a Manny thing. There's multiple guys on this team that need to be better at this. But Manny, obviously, he's the one making $350 million, $500 million, I think, in total from the Padres over like 15 years. He's the captain of the team. That's what a lot of people view him as. And so that's what the clubhouse views him as. People in the clubhouse know that Manny is the guy in there. So he just needs to realize that. And I think realize that culture is a thing. And he's not really realizing that right now. And I think that's, that's a little concerning. Yeah. It's everybody. Everybody needs to. Yeah. Um, any more, any more thoughts, any more questions about this Padres team? No, not really. No. All right. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Anyone else, if anyone else wants to join the show, click the link that is pinned up at the top of the chat there. And I'm going to go through the chat right now, actually. I already got to Austin's comment at the top here. Um, 
Chris says they just needed to play one of the worst teams in the modern era to, to win four games in a row. Yep, pretty much. I thought, like I said earlier, at least I think I said earlier, the A's, I thought it was going to come during this A's-Rockies series there. Um, it didn't come, now they could go like win five, six, seven games in a row with the Rockies here, but I thought it was going to come at some point here. Um, you know, A's, Rockies, like that felt like their their best chance, and they ended up doing it. They won four games in a row, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because this Padres team isn't going to do it. They are, they're not going to make the postseason. That's what I mean by they're not going to do it. Bottom line, this team needed to make the postseason this year, and I thought you know, needed to go more than just making the postseason. They needed to go on a deeper run, and they just weren't able to do that uh, this season. So at the end of the day, four games in a row, that's not what you hang banners for. You don't. So I don't blame you if you don't care. Uh, Austin says, I do believe that AC just spent that article throwing Manny under the bus for 30 minutes. I, I, I mean, I disagree. Like, he talked to Manny, okay? Let me lay this out again about Kevin AC's article. And I wrote my thoughts on this as well on gaslampball.com if you want to check that out. But, like, Kevin, I thought he was fair. He could have been harder on Manny Machado and made this more into an opinion article. Right. I think there's this misconception by some Padres fans that I saw a lot on social media. I think that some Padres fans think that AC is just uh, is bitter. The right word. AC just hates Manny Machado. And so he's out there trying to throw Manny under the bus. It was a hit piece on Manny Machado. He wanted to do whatever he could to throw Manny under the bus and make Manny look bad. I don't think so. I think he was doing reporting over months and months and months about what has gone wrong. Is there a problem in this Padres clubhouse? And it all went back to, at the end of the day, it went back to the leader of that clubhouse, which clearly, or the big guy in that clubhouse, which clearly is Manny. And I think some fans, they just want to say AC hates Manny. They want to disregard all the stuff that was in there just because they don't like Kevin AC. I think that's a lot of fans. And he didn't just throw Manny under the bus for 30 minutes, just him saying stuff just out of the blue. No, Manny threw himself under the bus, by the way. I mean, let's be honest. There were a couple things. Not believing in culture, right? Is this high school? Is this college baseball? Not believing in culture. There was actually a few things, if you go back and read the article, not just a couple. Um, the part where... He talks about how they didn't they just didn't want it bad enough. That's throwing yourself and the Padres under the bus. That's not Kevin doing it. That's you doing it, Manny. Um there was there, I think there was another spot where oh, the unity thing about the the team unity. And he mentioned like there could be a lot more team unity going on in that clubhouse. So there's another one where you and the Padres you're throwing yourself under the bus, not just AC doing it. Right. So he got quotes from Manny Machado, let him know that this was coming out. He did reporting from inside the clubhouse, talked to eight other players, talked to front office people, talked to people in that organization that know what is going on. It wasn't just AC writing an opinion piece. This wasn't Nick Canepa in the Union Tribune writing an opinion piece about how, oh, I hate Manny Machado. That's not what this was. 
This was reporting. And some people just didn't like the information that was in the article. I don't like it either. Like, I want Manny to be a fantastic leader. I'm a Manny Machado fan of him on the field. Love watching him play. Great talent. So fun to watch at third base. But when things come out like this, I've got to address it. And I've got to give my thoughts on it. And my thoughts are, yeah, it's concerning. And it needs to improve. They've got to be more united next season. I mean, and people didn't like that I tweeted this out about the Dodgers. And when they, they were celebrating their NL West title and Mookie Betts was talking to Kirsten Watson, the Dodgers uh, Sportsnet LA reporter, about the team, right? The, the Dodgers team. And I'll play the audio for you actually here. Let me find this real quick. This was the Dodgers' 10th NL West title in the last 11 years. And I tweeted out, here, actually, I'll play the video first, and then I'll tell you what I tweeted out. It was literally just the Mookie Betts quotes. That's all I tweeted out, really. But here's Mookie after the Dodgers clinched the NL West, and people say, you're talking Friars, not talking Dodgers. But this has definitely has something to do with the Padres. Uh, you know, especially with this group of guys, um, you know, we love each other so much and we're just showing and uh, we got we got a couple more of these, uh, a couple more of these to go. Talk about how this group is so special. I know how much you all love each other, but what is it about this team when you get play? Wipe your eyes, but that's that love I'm talking about. No. Why is this team so special on and off the field? Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, obviously, just the fear of love. I mean, I mean, I think we genuinely want what's best for each other. Um, get so many different personalities to come in here, and everybody just wants to win. You know, it's 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 fun coming to work every day. What you saw from all of these guys, and J.D. is back. Uh, but you know what, J.D.? I'm going to get your reaction uh, from this as well. <laughs> all right, that's, that, that, that's pretty much the gist of it, okay? So I tweeted that out because of what Mookie said there about pure love and them just wanting to win, them all just wanting to win. And clearly, there wasn't enough of that from the Padres this year. That's all I was saying there. I said, quote, pure love, dot, dot, dot. We genuinely want what's best for each other, dot, dot, dot. Everybody just wants to win. And then I put kind of like a curious, hmm, emoji there. And some fans, for some reason, didn't like that. Um, and I'm just like, I think it's pretty obvious why I put that out there was because of some of the quotes from the Padres this season. like not wanting it enough, not wanting it as bad as some other teams. Some guys doing their own thing, right, where you got the Dodgers, the entire team out there, like pointed out in Kevin Acey's article. Mookie, Freddie Freeman, everyone out there. No one is above anyone else on the team, right? That's not what we've seen from this Padres team this season, right? Pure love want what's best for each other. Everybody just wants to win. Clearly, the Padres didn't just want to win badly enough this season. Manny has admitted that. Juan Soto has admitted that about the team quitting instead of fighting and grinding. Like, if they really wanted to win, they would have, they would have fought. They would have kept grinding instead of just quitting. 
right? So that's why I brought that up. And that needs to change in this Padres team. Like, bottom line. Um, Irish says, Manny was the only one man enough to put his name on the article. Hold on, Irish. Kevin granted those players an anonymity. I, I can never say that word. You know, anonymous quotes, okay? He, I can never say that. Anonymity. They, like Manny, he was the main subject. So yeah, he was quoted in it. If Bogarts was the main subject, he'd be quoted in it. If Soto was the main subject, he would be quoted in it. But Padres player, he was getting stuff, information, from Padres players in the clubhouse. Why would Xander Bogarts, let's, I'm not, I don't know that he spoke to AC about this or Joe Musgrove. Why would they put their name on a quote and Manny's going to see that? Why would Musgrove go to Kevin AC or Kevin goes to him and Musgrove's like, yeah, go ahead, quote me. I'm going to say, you know what? Here are my full thoughts on Manny Machado. He is not a real leader. He's lazy. He doesn't do what he says he is going to do. He goes and preaches all these things in these team meetings, these players-only meetings, and doesn't follow through on them. He doesn't put in the, the work, the little things. You think players are going to go do that? No, because they share a clubhouse with the guy. They want things to improve. So how do you do it? By putting things out there publicly, because obviously, just trying to solve it internally, it hasn't worked. So they go public with it, but they're not going to put their name on a quote when they share the same clubhouse with the guy. Of course, they're not going to do that, but they want what's best still for the Padres organization. They want it to improve. So that's why they speak to Kevin and give their thoughts on this. Of course, they're not going to put quotes on it. Why would they do that? That would be stupid of them to do that. And Manny, guess what? His quotes would be anonymous. His info to Kevin would be anonymous, probably, if this was a piece about, let's say, Juan Soto was the main figure. Because why would Manny want to be bashing Juan Soto in quotes publicly to the media? He wouldn't do that. That's just not what you would do. Uh, JD's third says, this team is pathetic. All the pressure is off. They are going to Cancun, and now they perform. Manny is a cancer that needs to be taken out with AJ Preller. Well, guess what? I think both of those things, JD's third. I know, I know your opinion on AJ. You don't, you don't like him. I don't think AJ is going anywhere, and Manny definitely isn't going anywhere. The guy is here for the next decade, whether you like it or not. He's here for the next decade. Seidler gave him the extension, gave him the big contract before the season. And by the way, people weren't complaining then, right? So again, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the contract the Padres gave to Manny Machado. I'm not going to complain about that. I'm just complaining about what information has come out like manny has to be better that's what i'm saying about that um but yeah like about the team being pathetic i get the point yeah now they're winning four games in a row when the season's over of course they're doing that and that's what we figured was going to happen right when there's nothing to play for of course they're going to go win four games in a row they might go win eight games in a row season's still over right still over but they might do that. Of course they were going to do that because that's just what the Padres do. Yeah, maybe they had a pinata celebration, J.D.'s third. Who knows? Man, that was this season. Just think about that. This season has been so long. 
that the pinata stuff was this year. That feels like such a long time ago. Nelson Cruz in Mexico, Austin Nola hitting home run in Mexico. That feels like such a long time ago. Um, Jung Uli asks, can I join the Padres bandwagon yet? Are we wake? Are we raking yet? Um, yeah, hop on the bandwagon. There's not a whole lot of people on here. What I mean by that is there's not a lot of Padres fans believing in this team. And why should you, right? So, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Jump on the bandwagon. You might be the only one there. But once this season is over, I'm hopefully going to try to be more optimistic. And as I was this season, even when things weren't looking good, I tried to stay optimistic until, obviously, I couldn't because there was too big of a sample size to be like, no, everything's fine. Sunshine and sunshine and rainbows. It's all right. No, I, I couldn't do that. I want to remain optimistic, and I'm going to be optimistic in the offseason about the 2024 club. Because and you might you might not like this, but I'm probably going to spin it like, hey, I'm going to hope that these guys. I think that these guys aren't going to have as bad as seasons next year because how can they? And they'll be better in some extra inning games. They'll be better in some one run games. Hopefully some more changes are made and then they can be a postseason team and go make a run. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to like excuse this season and be like, oh, this was all luck. I'm just saying that just looking at this season, I mean, these, these, this talented team's not going to be as bad as they were this season, right? I just don't see that happening again. And hopefully some additions are made uh, to this Padres team. Chad says, waiting outside Bub, waiting outside Bubs right now for the four-game win streak parade to start. Yeah. When's that parade? Is that like at 11 o'clock tonight? Yeah, I know. I'm seeing Devin here in the chat talking about the NFL. I don't care. I don't care. The Vikings are my team. Like, I have family in Minnesota, but I, I don't care. I care about the Vikings a little bit, but I'm not like a diehard fan or anything. Once the Chargers left, I don't care. We live in San Diego, okay? Like, the Padres are here, Aztecs, the Wave. That's what I care about in San Diego sports. And it's, yeah. There's some people that still care as much as they did about the NFL. That's definitely not me. Uh, SDFan44 asks, how many losses do we need to get mathematically eliminated? I'm not sure about that. Yeah, don't know. Is there like a magic number calculator for that somewhere? I, I'm not aware of it, so I don't know. Put the link in there if you know that there's like a, a mathematically eliminated calculator. I, I know because like other sports, there's like the Tankathon thing. Tankathon, I think, is a website. For like NBA or NFL. I forget which one. Uh, yeah. Yep. Rockies and Cardinals is the upcoming homestand. The last homestand of the year. So I'll be going tomorrow. We got the Xander Bogarts giveaway. The shirt jersey there. The City Connect one. Um, and then. We got the St. Louis series coming up. This. This next weekend. Um, and then they go back on the road, finish up the season against the Giants in San Francisco, and then 
the Chicago White Sox, which those games will mean absolutely nothing. At least the Giants series, the Padres could try to play spoiler there. But yeah, these three of their next four series will mean nothing. Rockies, Cardinals, and the White Sox. All right, continuing to go through the chat here. JD's third says, gotta admire Ben's grind. Thank you. Yeah, there's some people that have decided to stop streaming consistently or you know, post something every day, but that's just not who I am. Um, I'm I'm clearly a diehard Padres fan. Like, even if things are not going good, which is the case, I'm gonna be here every day. I'm going, it might not be a lot, it might not be a long show. Uh, and I don't do a show every day, but it might not be a long post-game reaction, but I'm going to put something up every time the Padres play. That's just what's going to happen. That's who I am. I'm going to find a way to do it uh, because I know that there are people that like watching these videos, like listening to the show. There are other Padres fans that um, do watch all of the games, like myself, like others. Um, and so, again, I love the Padres community. I love Padres fans. Some, some on social media, for some reason, aren't the biggest fans of me, but uh, I love the Padres community. Um, chat says the dog days for Padres YouTubers, Padres or props, excuse me, to Ben for showing up every day. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yep, everyone that has said that, thank you so much for that. Uh, JD's third asks, he should. Oh, you're saying I would, I should be the Padres president of baseball ops and decide AJ's fate. Ben, would you keep AJ and Bo? JD, JD's third calls him Bo Mid. Mill. Um, okay. President of baseball ops, I'm not qualified. I think that I may have made a little, I, I think I would have made the right decisions in comparison to AJ Preller at the deadline, but he obviously knows way more about the Padres farm system and stuff like that than I do. So yes, I am not qualified for that position, but I think, and it, it's unfortunate to say this, but I do believe that I would have done better in certain areas this season than A.J. Preller. Yes, I, I do believe that. Definitely not saying that I'm qualified for a position in the front office or anything like that. But I'm just saying that... I'm just saying that there's been some obvious things that... The decisions that he should have made that he ended up not making. And look how that has worked out. Um... Eden says, I think Xander was the most irritating player to watch this season. I, I think he's up there just because of the expectations or the con the big contract. Some Padres fans weren't fans of that contract before he even came here. I was more like, I'm going to give it a chance, and I'm still going to give it a chance. Like It's one year into this thing. I'm not going to give up on it. I think that the con they paid him too much money. I think the contract's too long, but they wanted to make sure that he was going to be a Padre, and so that's the length that Scyther and AJ went. I would not have done that length, that amount of years, but because I don't think any team was going to come close to paying him $280 million. I think a team would have maybe paid him 200 mil. I think they could have got him for maybe 250. Do you think that we could have got Xander for 220, 230? Maybe. It didn't need to be 280. I think that's pretty clear. It did not need to be 280. Um, and yeah, irritating him, especially because of the hot start that he got off to. 
And then he went two months hitting just two home runs in total. One month, he had one home run. The other month, he had one home run. Two months. Like, the power was just gone from the injury, obviously. So, hopefully, he can have a better season next year in terms of health. And that will, in turn, mean that he has a better just overall 2024 season. I like Xander. It seems like he's accountable when he speaks to the media. Uh, And it seems like he's one of the leaders in the clubhouse. So, And from people that I know that watched every day of him playing with the Red Sox, they speak glowingly of him. Um, And so that, you know, made me like Xander even more from the get-go. And I still like Xander. Uh, I'm not one of those that hate Xander because of the contract that he took from the Padres. Like, of course he was going to take it. If you get offered way more money than what you thought you were going to get from someone, from your employer, you're going to take it, right? So we'll see what happens. Hopefully Xander's better next year. I believe he will be. It's a low bar. Steven says, it's just amazing to me that these other San Diego Padre media guys are treating a Kevin AC article like it's a bombshell. Many fans told this media, Manny is not a leader. Yeah, but those fans are just saying that because they don't like how Manny's playing. They don't like some of the past things that he has said to people in the media. Maybe how he's treated some people in the media, all that. That's how they're, that's why they're saying it. Um, Again, Kevin was just doing his reporting. He's just doing his job. His job is to report, and that's what he did here. Some don't like the information that was in there, but that doesn't mean that you should just disregard the entire article, whatever was said there. Uh, Spencer asks, are playoff chances done? Technically not, but yes, they're done. JD's third asks, who do you think will win the World Series? Right now I'm going with the Braves. I know that's definitely going out on a limb. Not. But yeah, I think the I mean the Braves are so they're so good. Like the lineup, it's dominant. Uh the pitching's pretty good. So it, I think Atlanta's gonna be hard to beat. On the AL side, it's hard for me not to go with Houston. They're playing better baseball. It's the Astros. The Orioles, it's been a really good story, and I think that they can win a postseason series, but I'm not going to just put them in the World Series right now from what I've seen from them. I don't think, like the Felix Bautista injury, that's a question mark. So we'll see what happens there. Padres aren't in it, but I'm a baseball fan as well, so I'm going to be locked into those postseason games, obviously. Um, Continuing to go through the chat here. Wayner says, I'd, I'd like to read the article. Where do I find it? The AC article, go to the San Diego Union Tribune and click that. It's, uh, what's the title of the article? Hang on. I can drop the article link in the, in the chat too. Here we go. I'll drop the article link. It's titled on the Union Tribune's page as Padres season spirals. Questions emerge about culture, cohesion, and chemistry. So I just put the the link in the chat. So you can go copy and paste that in there if you see that. All right, let's see. I'll get back to the chat here, but I'm going to get to 
some other San Diego sports stuff here that happened over the weekend. Not a great weekend for San Diego sports other than the Padres. And then even with the Padres sweeping, I mean, it's still not that great because you look at the season as a whole, right? Uh, but San Diego Loyal, I want to start with them. San Diego Loyal, they lost 1-0 to Louisville City. Uh, Wilson Harris got a rebound goal in the fifth minute. This wasn't really on Coke Vegas, Loyal's goalkeeper. He got the initial stop and then just, I mean, he wasn't going to go stop the, the, the second header. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, San Diego Loyal, I mean, I think they won the possession battle in this match. They had some really good shots on goal. Zemla was amazing from Louisville. I mean, he was making a bunch of saves. Great saves on Martin, uh, Adrian Perez, Conway. I mean, you name it, whatever, whatever shot Loyal made, he was there to block it. And so I think it was a tough loss for San Diego Loyal because there were definitely spots where it was like, oh, man, great shot. It was just blocked. It was just a better game by Louisville and their keeper than, it, than this was on, oh, San Diego Loyal didn't really play a good game. They, they got a lot of shots on goal. Um, and sometimes... You just got to tip your cap. I think that's one of the games that you just tip your cap. And so Loyal lose, and we'll see what happens uh, in their next match. But, yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, Loyal, obviously, again, like I've said previously, I'm just waiting on what happens in the postseason. Hopefully they can be a top-four seed, and they can host a playoff game. It's obviously going to be their last season in the franchise's history because they're folding at the end of the year with uh, just not being able to find a permanent, better stadium. Uh, than Torero Stadium, and obviously MLS, the club coming in, Ricardo Campos obviously already going over to the MLS club, and I assume that many other San Diego Loyal employees will go to the MLS club um, just because they want to still have a job in soccer, and San Diego Loyal is no longer an opportunity to have that. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, again, Loyal, they'll be a top-four seed. Their next match is going to be on Wednesday against Monterey Bay. And then they're back at home on next Sunday against Las Vegas. That's going to be at 3 p.m. You can get your tickets there on San Diego Loyal's website. Uh, but looking at the standings right now, San Diego Loyal, 12-7 and 9, 12 wins, 7 draws, 9 losses. They are at 43 points. They're in fifth. So right now they would not be hosting a postseason match. Uh, but they're two points behind Phoenix, who is in fourth. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but that is the latest there for San Diego Loyal. And then I'm going to get to the Aztecs here, and then I'll get to the Wave. San Diego State, they lose to Oregon State 26-9. to This was a sellout game for Oregon State in Corvallis. I was not expecting San Diego State to win this game. So I'm not, like, super disappointed. But I think it was another game where they allowed big plays, obviously against UCLA. There were big plays allowed last weekend there at Snapdragon. The big run play. I think there was a big pass play. And here, there was a big play as well. I think it was a 75-yard pass right after the Aztecs scored a touchdown. So they just haven't been able to limit those big plays in the last two games against big opponents, their biggest opponents that they're going to face this season. And they made mistakes. You can't make mistakes against good ranked opponents like Oregon State, especially when you're playing on the road. You're not as talented as they are. 
obviously. You just can't afford to make those mistakes. And uh, Browning had a missed field goal. It was deep, so I'm not going to put too much on him for that. But missed field goal there. There's three points. Jalen Maiden had a touchdown pass that was just thrown too far. It was a touchdown. Like They definitely were going to have a touchdown there. Uh, and he just overthrew his receiver. He threw an interception in the end zone. I know it was late in the game, and you're just trying to kind of force something probably there, but still interception in the end zone. Um, last two games, they've been outscored 61-19 to 19 by UCLA and Oregon State. I was expecting a little bit better performances in both of these games. Um, now, I think they played better this week, so that's a positive than in the UCLA game, but the UCLA game was just downright ugly. This Oregon State game, you know, they hung in there. And I think if they made it a one-possession game at one point in the second half, like, they were more in it. But it was still clear as the game was going on, and it's like, okay, there's a mistake, there's a mistake. You're not going to come back from that. And then they allow that big play, and it's just like, well, of course, you're not going to win the game when you have that happen. You have mistakes that shouldn't have been mistakes. You're without your best receiver, Makai Shaw, who I think it was an undisclosed injury. I did not see what the actual injury was, but he did not make the trip. But that feels more like an excuse. Like, you, you can say that. I'm going to say that, obviously. Like, they were without, Maine was without Shaw, the best receiver. But even with Shaw, it's not like the offense has been that impressive to me this season. So it would be one thing if with Shaw they were great. That hasn't really been the case, especially against UCLA and Oregon State. I know without Shaw, but against Oregon State, it, I just I just haven't been super impressed. And now they're going to play Boise State. Um, Aztecs now 2-2. Two and two. Boise State, they got their first win of the year against South Dakota State, the other SDSU, 42-18. Um, to 18. So we'll see what happens. At home, Friday night at Snapdragon Stadium, the Aztecs. I think that if they keep building, right, again, the UCLA game wasn't great. I think they played better against Oregon State. If they play better, less mistakes, limit the big plays, then maybe they go beat Boise State. Um, but they're still going to have to play a good game because Boise State, yes, they're one and two, but I think their first game of the year was against Washington, who obviously ranked at the time. I think they're probably still ranked one of the better teams in the country one of the many ranked Pac-12 teams in the country. So, like, one of the losses, it's like, yeah, of course they were going to lose. So I think this is going to be a good test, more of a fair test for San Diego State. Another Mountain West opponent, probably definitely one of the best Mountain West schools going into the season. And so I think it's going to be a good measuring stick game. And then they've got Air Force after that. So... The, the Aztecs could end up being, what, two and four after these next two games. They could end up being three and three. Hopefully they're four and two. But they're going to have to clean up some mistakes. As Brady, uh, the coach Brady Hope, ended up um, hitting on in postgame with the media there. All right, San Diego Wave. Another disappointing event in San Diego sports this weekend. San Diego Wave, they lose two to one against the Kansas City Current. Now, Kansas City going into this match, and I think I said this last after San Diego's last match, 
Yeah, San Diego, uh, San Diego Wave. Yeah, they're probably going to win. Expect them to win this. Because Kansas City, they're in last. They're entering, entering Saturday last place. Like, yeah. Wave first place. They're playing at home. Yeah, they're going to beat Kansas City, right? But it just didn't happen. And it was, unfortunately, a match that could have ended up being a little bit beneficial for San Diego Wave. They could have gotten at least a point out of it, I think. They lose two to one. And, I mean, Alex Morgan, there was a non-called. The ref was not great. The ref was not great. Casey Stoney, she doesn't want to get fined by the league, so she's not going to say it, but I'll say it for her. Like, the refs just was not great last night. And there was a event where Alex Morgan's going in the box. I think this was in the second half. And she's going in there, and I'll show it to you, actually, for the YouTube audience here. And Kansas City comes in for a tackle. And some want to say that this was a clean tackle, but clearly this was not a clean tackle because some were just seeing the game angle of it where it was like, oh, it looks like, oh, she got all ball. And Alex, she's just complaining because she was on social media uh, on Twitter earlier this morning saying like, how is this not uh, a penalty, right? And some were like, no, you're just complaining. Just She got all ball, but no, no, no. If you go look at this angle, and Ollie, who is Alex Morgan, one of Alex Morgan's uh, photographers, does a lot of Alex Morgan work. Great, great, great guy, great human. Um, and uh, he posted this angle here. Is this a penalty in the box? This is from his Instagram. And you can see here, this is a better angle. Clearly, that's a penalty. It's in the box. That should be a red card. Maybe not a red card. Maybe you give her a, a yellow card. But in full speed, it looked like that was a pretty reckless play. Like she was going full speed right at her. You could see Kansas City's player here uh, lifting her leg, you know, really going up and making sure to tackle Alex there. And she didn't get the ball. She did not get the ball first. She didn't get the ball until right there where her thigh hit the ball. She misses the ball there. Touches, I think she's touching Alex in the foot there. Like, even if she isn't, like, it just looked like a reckless play. Like, bottom line, it looked like a reckless play. And I think Alex should have gotten a PK there. And maybe she hits that, and San Diego Wave are able to get at least one point. Because now, what happens is San Diego Wave, they obviously got no points from that and they are now in third place in the table because portland they won last night they won i think two nothing uh no sophia smith they're playing without sophia smith and they still were able to beat ol rain last night at home um but they're in first now with 32 points san diego is in second tied with gotham gotham got the win last night um over washington gotham was at home so Gotham, San Diego tied at 30 points in second place. North Carolina, they're playing right now. If they win, they're down. But if they win, they'll be in second place, and Wave and Gotham will be in third. But this could cost, end up costing San Diego Wave 
um, a a buy in the first round going right to the semis and they might have to end up playing a quarterfinal match now hopefully it ends up being at home if they're the third or the fourth seed they'll be able to have it at home but if not then they'll have to be going on the road and if they make it to the nwsl championship game they'll be back home at snapdragon so that'll be great i'm definitely hoping that happens right uh but this could be a, a pretty consequential uh loss for san diego wave and I didn't think it had to be. I mean, you got to give credit to Kansas City. I mean, Dabinia, she had a long goal in the third minute, like right out of the gate. Um, I mean, I work for San Diego Wave, so I didn't see it right out of the gate. But, I mean, I'm looking up. It's like, oh, okay, they're down one nothing already. Uh, going back, looking at the replay, that was an amazing goal. I don't really know what Kaylin Sheridan could have done more there. Like, she went full extension, and Dabinia just went top right. Like, that was just perfect. Kristen Hamilton, 22nd minute, she scored. Uh, Sheridan did get a hand on it. It was just one of those where didn't get enough on it to redirect it totally out from getting uh, into the net. Defense kind of collapsed on Delfava, who got the assist, left uh, her open, and obviously Kansas City gets the second goal there. That ends up being the difference. Morgan was blocked uh, in the 40th minute by A.D. French. Doniak, she had a nice shot chance in i think the 53rd minute that was blocked so there were some chances there were some bad calls from the ref there was a handball that wasn't called i think in the box so this result definitely could have uh been different and it, it sucks that it wasn't but san diego now has to move on they're going to get a little bit of, of a break here because there's the interna international break coming up september 30th is going to be their next match in Portland. So that is going to be absolutely a huge match. Can't wait for that one. Maybe Sophia Smith's going to be back for Portland. Don't know about that. Alex Morgan, she ended up exiting in stoppage time. There wasn't an update, so we'll see how her health is. Um, according to her on social media, it seems like she can walk. So that's a good thing because on social media, she did say, and this was when she posted a video of the, the foul or the, the non-call, in what world is this not a penalty and red card or even a foul? Completely reckless, and the leg going in for the tackle doesn't even get a ball when I cut her. Just glad I saw her coming and didn't plant on that leg, or I'd 100% not be walking today. So I'm assuming Alex is able to walk today, which is good. Um, and hopefully she'll be good to go for the September, September 30th match. Because, yes, she has not had as good of a, a year as, at least goal-wise, as she had last year, but it is a little bit different of a year. Um, and she's had some chances, but there's also been some situations where she's just been so close to the net or so close to the, the keeper where she didn't, she didn't really have a whole lot of room to operate. That was one of those last night. Um, and there's been some where like she's used more as a little bit of a decoy where Jaden Shaw, Mackenzie Doniak, Sophia Jacobson, Whoever it is, um, Angie scored yesterday uh, from the Van Eggman header. Whoever it is, they get the opportunity. They they're a little bit more open because some attention's more on Alex, you know. So uh, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for Alex and San Diego Wave. Now Alex, Jane Shaw, and Naomi Gurma they are headed to U.S. Women's National Team camp. There's going to be a couple friendlies there, and then they'll be back against Portland. The next home match for San Diego Wave 
is coming up on October 15th against Racing Louisville. San Diego Wave going to be giving away those cool basketball jerseys. So if you want tickets to that, I'm going to leave the link to the tickets. Click the link in the description for that clip uh, that I'm posting San Diego Wave here for any Wave fans that didn't watch the live stream. I'm leaving that link in the description. Click that link there for tickets. Wave against Racing Louisville, the final regular season match for San Diego of the year. All right. Getting back to the chat here. Where did I leave off? Okay. I posted the Kevin AC article. By the way, check out Underdog Fantasy. Um, my mom just got on it, so... I've been helping her out a little bit, and she has nailed every pick, of course. When I do it, it doesn't work out, but when I help her out with some picks, and she makes some picks, she's hit on like every pick. So she used that code, Talking Friars. You can click the link in the description or use the code. You get a 100% deposit match up to $100, so you get more money to spend, um, so more chances as well. You could use that terminology as well, more chances to win. They have great pickums with NFL, with college football, with Major League Baseball, through the postseason, throughout the rest of this season, um, other sports as well. So I definitely definitely recommend you get in on the fun there. Uh, Chris says that wave match was painful to watch. Yes, yep. Especially seeing the Thorns win. Yes, I can definitely agree on that one. And yeah, Portland wasn't even playing with Sophia Smith. They've got a good team, obviously, there. Um, all right, continuing to go through the chat here. Yes, the ref sucked, Chris. Yes, it, Chris, excuse me. Yes, the ref did suck. Um, JD's third asked, how many of these National League wildcard and non-wildcard teams will be better next season? Um, I think the Cardinals will be better next season. I think the Padres will be better next season. Let me look at the standings right now. What teams do I think will take a step back next season? I think the Red, I mean the Reds, they have a chance to be better next season. I think they'll be better next season. I don't know if the Marlins will be this good next year, to be honest. Uh, the Giants could take another step forward. They might not even make the postseason this year. We'll see what happens there. Washington is going to keep getting better, I think with the young core that they're going to have coming up together. Hassel, Wood, uh, Abrams already up, House that they have down there. So they're going to be good. We'll see if Pittsburgh's a little bit better. I see a good amount of these non-wildcard teams being better next year. Um, I don't know if the Cubs are going to be as good next year. Stroman, don't know if he will stay. Bellinger, probably not going to stay. Arizona, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Miami, I'll say Miami and Chicago. I think they'll, if I had to pick two there from wildcard teams right now, they'll probably take a step back next year. But I think the Padres will be better. I think St. Louis is going to be better. Washington's going to be better. I, I like Washington. I, I, they're just going to keep trending up. I really like what they're doing. They already had the World Series. They didn't make the emotional decision, giving Soda whatever he wanted. And they got a big return back for it. They realized A.J. Preller was obviously really uh, desperate, you know, really wanting to go get Juan Soto, willing to give up a ton for him, and they, they took that chance. 
and they're going to be benefiting from that for sure. All right, that's going to do it here at Talking Ferraris episode 470. Thank you all for the time. Whether you're watching on YouTube, live, replay, if you have not already, I encourage you to subscribe to this YouTube channel for consistent Padres San Diego sports content and the podcast platforms. I definitely thank you so much for listening, downloading the show, leaving a review. Thank you all so much for the support. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your night, great rest of your weekend, great rest of your week if you're listening or watching this on Monday. See everybody.